Welcome to the Eucharist Podcast with Wyoming Catholic College, responding to the call for Eucharistic renewal by sharing wisdom in God's country. I'm Jeremy Holmes, Academic Dean at Wyoming Catholic College. And I'm Kyle Washett, its President, and welcome to this episode. Last time, we talked about the terms substance and accident, or thing and appearances, and how transubstantiation is just a technical term for saying that the appearances of bread and wine remain, while the thing that the appearances make present to us is no longer bread and wine, but Christ himself. And so the miracle of the Eucharist involves us being connected to Christ through accidents that are not his, through appearances that are not his, but in a way that seems similar to the way we're connected with each other. I am in relationship to my wife through her voice. I'm in relationship to my kids through giving them a hug. So too are we in relationship to Christ through the appearances of bread and wine. And that's where children pick it, pick up the conversation when they do their catechesis for First Communion. And children always take the conversation to the next level with their questions. I remember one time when my oldest daughter was a fairly new communicant, and she turns to me during Mass and asks, is Jesus really tiny in the Eucharist? Because she's looking at the the little host, which may be an inch and a half across, and she's thinking of the pictures she's seen in her you know picture Bible of Jesus, and he looks like a full-grown man there. But so, how do you fit a full-grown Jesus into something not even the size of a half dollar? Is is part of the miracle of transubstantiation that Jesus becomes really tiny? I, my kids asked me something similar when I talked about how Jesus is present on every altar throughout the world every time there's a celebration of the Eucharist, and one of them said does he get really tired running that fast? Like, how does he get from here to there? How does he get from Rome to Lander, Wyoming? I remember a time, you know, closely related to this, what you're saying, when one of my children was about to receive communion, and the priest glances up at the communion line and sees that he's not going to have enough hosts. So he takes the host he's about to, to give the child and breaks it in half and gives half to the child. And you could just see this moment of not quite a crisis, but a moment of real questioning, like, wait a minute. Did I just get ripped off? Did I get half of Jesus? Right, and these these are all the kinds of questions that occur precisely because we're so concerned to stress that Jesus is present to us in this real concrete world. If we were okay with just talking about Jesus as abstractly, mystically present in the Eucharist, none of this would matter. We wouldn't be wondering, how does he get from here to there so fast? Or am I going to hurt him if I chew too hard? Right, right. It, 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 is it? <laughs> I remember... Um, uh, a, a woman uh, of great piety, but um, not a lot of deep education, expressing her, her concern about chewing the Eucharist. She thought it was sort of more reverent or gentle to just kind of let it maybe dissolve in your mouth. Chomping into Jesus, even though that's what he told us to do, uh, is, gee, it feels a little weird, doesn't it? Instantly, we're bound up with this whole mess of questions of, well, you said the whole point of transubstantiation is to make Jesus really present to us, like you're present to your wife or to your kids. But now this seems to have Jesus not able to be present in that way, precisely because of the limitations of time and space and just what it means to eat or drink something. And so we end up having to get 
just a little bit more complicated in our account of the Eucharist, not just not because we're, the, we're theologians and we like complicated things, but because, you know, our kids are asking good questions. Uh, it, it's really important to know that I received the whole Jesus. It's really important to know that Jesus is everywhere that the Mass is celebrated. It's really important uh, to know that I'm not hurting Jesus when I, when I chew, right? And so, so we have to introduce this key point about what the church means when she, when she talks about transubstantiation or the conversion of the substance of bread into the substance of Christ's body. And that is the appearances of bread or the accidents of bread that, be, that belonged naturally to the bread no longer belong to the bread. The substance of bread is not there anymore after the, after the conversion into Christ's body. But they also don't belong to Christ's body. They're not his own accidents. God is miraculously sustaining the appearances of bread in being so that they can play their function as our portal onto Christ, as our contact point with Christ. Now, here's the difficulty. We say that, and that's great and profound, maybe to the theological mind abstractly thinking about this. Well, let's take it back to but the toddler. Exactly. My, my, my kid's asking, is Jesus tired when he has to run so fast, or am I, am I getting the whole yeah. Jesus? How does that answer actually satisfy the toddler? Well, let's, and let's start at the child's level, right? We, we, we mentioned previously the moment when Kyle's daughter began to recognize that many different things in the house are blue. Oh, the ball is blue. The table is blue. This is blue. And she's making a distinction in her mind between the thing and the appearance. Now, again, this distinction is not an elaborate philosophical distinction. This is something that the toddler does automatically in recognizing there's blue. Right. And, and here's what the church is saying. What the child can do in her mind, God can do in reality. The child can separate out in her mind, oh, I get it, there's the thing and there's the appearance. I can, keep, I can keep them separate in my mind. God can actually separate them out in reality and support the accidents in being without the substance remaining. So, so to, to keep this as down to the earth, down to, to earth as possible, we're saying that um, what we can do mentally God can do really. I can think of the accidents of bread without thinking about the substance of bread. God can make the accidents of bread be there without the substance of bread. And those accidents that he, those appearances that he miraculously is sustaining there no longer point us to their own substance, but to another substance, right? They are, point, they are, they are putting us into contact with the substance of Christ's body without becoming his own accidents. Now, let, let's, let, what, let, to, to make that clear, let's think about what it would mean for those accidents to become the accidents of Christ's own substance, right? This would mean that Christ, who is currently in heaven, would be changed every time we celebrate Mass. He would change shape. He would change size. He would change weight. He would be sort of impacted and deemed every time someone bit into a host. So we're saying, no, if you were in heaven with Christ and took his arm and bit into it, 
now we really are, you know, we would, really would be hurting Jesus by biting into him. But when we bite into the host, what's happening is through the appearances of bread, we're in contact with Christ. But because those appearances are not his own personal appearances, breaking those appearances in half doesn't break Jesus in half. I, sometimes I like to use a sort of sci-fi sci analogies. Suppose there is a kind of portal or wormhole onto another dimension, right? So that if you jump into the portal, boom, you are now in, in this other faraway place. Well, if I break the portal in half, I don't break in half the faraway place. I just now have two portals. So let's think about that for a moment. What we have to be saying as a result is Jesus is still the same size he always was. Jesus is in the same place he always was. Jesus is doing the same things in heaven that he's always been doing, whether or not the divine liturgy is offered on an altar. That's the first step. We're not moving Jesus. But then that also means that precisely this portal, when we receive the Eucharist, we are being transported in some way to where Jesus is, to where he stands at his full height, to where he sits in his full glory. That's what's going on through the bread and the wine, that this portal analogy is actually putting us into intimate, direct contact with the risen, glorified Lord, but while we're standing on earth here. Let's reflect on what that means for several of us receiving communion at the same time. All right, so in the normal course of things, you know, right, if, if I uh, reach out and tap Kyle on the arm, what happens is I come into contact with Kyle's substance through his accidents. I come into contact with Kyle, the person, through his quantity, his texture, his, you know, his color, uh, right? So in the sequence of events, the appearances are, are between me and the substance, and through the appearances, I get to Kyle. Now, with Christ, there's a kind of reversal of that in the Eucharist, because the appearances of bread don't put me immediately in contact with Christ's shape, weight, smell, texture in heaven. No, they put me immediately in contact with the very substance of Christ. And then because I'm in contact with the very substance of Christ, then of course I am also, as a consequence, in, in contact with the rest of him, all of his appearances, right? So I actually, whereas with Kyle, I, I, I go through Kyle's shape and size to get to his substance, with Christ, I go through his substance to get to his shape and size. In fact, that means we encounter Christ in what he is most before encountering or being coming into contact with those things that express what he is most. As we've said, the person is the most real. It's the reality underneath all of the appearances. With Christ, I am in contact with who he is and then consequently in contact with those expressions of who he is. Yeah, so imagine that Kyle and I were in heaven right now, and you know, one of us on the right hand and one of us on the left hand side of Christ, and I reach out and take hold of Christ's left arm, and Kyle reaches out and takes hold of Christ's right arm. 
now we're both in contact with Christ, but I am in contact with the left side of Christ and Kyle is in contact with the right side of Christ. Or similarly, if I'm not one of the lucky ones to get to be on the left or the right and I'm a few feet away from Christ, I feel like, well, I'm in contact with Christ, I'm seeing him, but I'm not as close to Christ as the guy that's holding his left shoulder or the guy that's holding his right shoulder. Yeah, and so through his own proper appearances, there's going to be a necessary kind of hierarchy of who who is closer and who's further away. Which part of Christ do you get to be in, in contact with? Ooh, can I touch the head? I only get the little toe. I'm too far away. I can't hear him clearly, whatever the case may be. But with the Eucharist, through the appearances of bread, we come directly into contact with Christ's entirety. We, through, through, we come into, into con- contact with his very person, his substance, his reality. And through that, we are in, equally in contact, all of us, with all of him. So that I am just as much in contact with Christ's head, shoulder, toe, blood, nerves, as anyone else. Uh, no one on earth is further or closer to Christ than I am. Um, and there, there is no, um, there's no distinction between those who can be uh, actually in contact and those who have to view from a distance. There's no distinction between those who only grip Christ's feet and those who could give him a hug around his chest, right? We all come into contact with the whole Christ precisely because that uh, the fact that the accidents the appearances through which we are accessing him are not his own. They are appearances that he is using to bring us into contact with him, right? So those, those opening sort of simple questions that our children ask us are actually open onto something profound. The fact that I can break a host in half and Christ is not broken in half, but the whole Christ is there in either in any part of a host means that when we have all received communion right when we have all approached our lord and we and, and we return to our places in the the sacred assembly the exact same being is touching me that is touching everyone else in the room it's not as though some of us are touching one part of christ another another part and another another part so that each of us is is sort of in, in contact with some bit of Christ. No, all of us have the entire Christ entirely present to us. Think about what that means for our relationship to each other at that moment. How bound together are we when we are not touching one side or another of Christ, but there is no barrier between us. The very being that is in contact with you is the very being that, that, is, that is inside of me. And that also means there's no nosebleed section here, right? There's no removed distance from the intimacy of my own encounter with Christ. So not only are we all profoundly united to each other, but we are more intimately united to Christ than we could be to any other human person sitting next to us. And let's make this concrete, right? When I give my wife a hug, when my wife gives me a kiss before I go to work, when my children embrace my legs on my return at the end of the day. There's a sign there, right? They, those mean, I love you. And, and there, there are signs that augment the reality they express, right? My children have a surge of affection and I have a surge of affection when they hug me and, and when I hear them say, you're home. Think about what 
is the sign when Christ wants to be this intimately connected to everyone in the sacred assembly. This, this is beyond a hug. This is something that goes beyond what we can even do with each other. What does that sign mean? Well, I think right off it means in the most profound way, I love you. The Eucharist is a sign of love, and it is a sign that even beyond the natural power of a natural hug, supernaturally is causing in us the thing that it signifies. And think about the sign that it is between us. You approach Christ in the Eucharist and have this intimate connection with him. I approach Christ in the Eucharist. I have this intimate connection with the identical being. Now, how do we relate to each other? It's not only a a sign that Christ loves me and I love Christ. It's also a sign of the love between us, between you you and me. So let's think about this here in terms of the crisis that we originally raised. The church did not have this language of transubstantiation for the first 1,300 years of her life. The church did have this intense, intimate, loving experience of union with Christ and with each other in the celebration of the Eucharist. What this language Jeremy and I have been unpacking is for is merely for the sake of making sure that we are as united in the way we talk about this profound experience of intimacy as we are in the experience of intimacy. It's only when there's crises or questions or maybe a suggestion that we're not all on the same page that we need to start talking through it, as with any kind of personal conflict. In fact, those, those crises where I don't know whether you, in fact, believe the same thing I think. We both say we believe in a mystery, but I'm not sure the mystery means to you what it means to me. At that moment, there's something interfering with the very meaning of the Eucharist. And for the sake of the Eucharist itself, we need to clarify our language about the sacrament. Because the intimacy that we have with each other and with Christ is too important to allow to be obscured by mystical mumbo-jumbo. It requires precise speaking because of the intensity of the intimacy and the consequences for our love for our Lord and our love for each other. Thank you for listening to the Eucharistic Podcast at Wyoming Catholic College. To learn more about Wyoming Catholic College, visit wyomingcatholic.edu.